have this scissor move. So he's explaining it where his back foot kicks back. And what Altuve goes on to explain to him is that he learned it from Miguel Cabrera. He learned it. He learned it. It's new. He didn't always do it. He picked it up from Cabrera in the offseason. He implemented it into his swing. Okay? He didn't just do it. People always ask, oh, do guys just naturally do that? Yeah, some guys naturally do it, but he started doing it. And he feels, he specifically talks about how he feels more power. He feels more power. He feels better rotation in his swing. He feels more powerful. Fellas, fellas, fellas. Welcome back to the Farm System Podcast, your home for baseball development. We're here for you, by you, and with you. I'm your co-host, Joey Cunha. And I'm Bo Callis. This podcast is designed for coaches, players, scouts, really anyone looking to further their development in the game of baseball. Here at the Farm System, we take pride in being lifelong learners, and we are here to be a bridge from where you are to where you're going. We'd like to welcome back our veteran listeners. We're happy to grow with you again. We'd also like to welcome our first-time listeners, the rookies. Don't worry, every vet was once a rookie. This podcast is brought to you by our partners over at Yakertech. Yakertech is the gold standard for measuring spin rate, velocity, trajectory, and most important, spin axis of a pitched ball. No other system captures such clarity of a moving ball. Learn more about their system at yakertech.com. On this episode, we feature part two of the 2017 Palooza presentation, by Eugene Bleeker from 108 Performance. Pull up a seat, grab your notepad. Here's Eugene Bleeker. Jose Altuve, MVP. So you can't really hear it, uh, but this is a video from the summer. And this is a video where, you know, um, I think it was Eric Burns started talking to him about his scissor move, right? His scissor move. Also watch that roll of the hands. So while he was talking to him, he's saying to him, uh, you know, there's this thing that you do that's so different. You know, there's not too many guys in Major League Baseball that do this, right? You have this scissor move. So he's explaining it where his back foot kicks back. And what Altuve goes on to explain to him is that he learned it from Miguel Cabrera. He learned it. He learned it. It's new. He didn't always do it. He picked it up from Cabrera in the offseason. He implemented it into his swing. Okay? He didn't just do it. People always ask, oh, do guys just naturally do that? Yeah, some guys naturally do it, but he started doing it. And he feels, he specifically talks about how he feels more power. He feels more power. He feels better rotation in his swing. He feels more powerful. So that's really interesting, right? Like his back foot kicks behind him and it feels like there's more power. Earlier when Rick presented, you saw that his guy did that too. We started seeing this a while ago. while ago. And we didn't understand it, but we started testing it. And we had an elite high school senior that went from topping out. He, was, he got called in the sixth round this year. Uh, that's a kid that we've had since he's 12. Like he worked, you know, three, five days a week since he's like 12 years old. And his top exit velocity off a of tee was like 104. In three days, he touched 108 and change. Right? Three days. Three days. That doesn't mean it's, does that mean that's the exact right move for him? No. But, could be. So, here's Hank Aaron. 
kickback. It's a big one, isn't it? It's the biggest one I've ever seen, actually. Here's Stanton. Here's Carlos Gonzalez. Here's Mike Trout. Some of the best players in baseball now and in the history of the game kick their back leg behind them. Does that mean everybody did? No. But a lot of the best players in history. So this summer we had the opportunity to pair with a local facility. It's about 10 minutes from our Orange County location uh, with some people that are a lot smarter than we are. Uh, the facility is called Movement First. Uh, they have nine physical therapy locations and they have like a $1.5 million biomechanics lab. Okay, with ground force plates and 3D cameras and all this awesome stuff. And we ended up having a first meeting and it made sense for us to partner and start looking into and studying some of this stuff together. So their head biomechanist, Dr. Emily Free, is here with us today. So I'm gonna bring her up to explain um, some of the things we were looking at and we'll talk about the numbers. Hi guys, I'm Emily. Um, so I'm a doctor of physical therapy. A uh, little bit about how I got here. So I originally started in soccer. Um, I was a Division I soccer player at USC, um, not South Carolina, so in California. And we started looking at ACL injuries, which is a completely preventable injury. A lot of it's non-contact, so it has to do with the way that athletes move. Um, and so I started studying biomechanics in a lab up in LA, looking at how we could change the way that soccer players move to prevent injury. Um, so in PT school, when you're talking about mobilizing joints and soft tissue, I thought that would be a completely boring career. Guys came to me and said, this hurts, and I rubbed it. I had no interest in that. So I started um, running a biomechanics lab in Newport Beach. So I, in the research with ACL, I started looking at baseball, and all this research came up with UCL injuries and little league um, elbow injuries, things like this. So I started doing pitching evals for free. So I started getting kids in, looking at pitching, learning all that I could about pitching because it was fascinating. Um, and one day I had a kid named Ethan Flanagan come into the lab. I'm evaling, and next thing I know, I have a strange mustache, very passionate man in my lab yelling at me because he's so excited about what we're doing and what we're looking at, um, NC Gene, and why we're not here. So we started looking at most all of Eugene's players. We're looking at pitching, we're looking at slot angles, elbow torques, things that will be putting guys at risk for injury, and we started looking at batting a couple months ago. So we looked at five different stances of batting. We looked at guys who land open, guys who stay closed, um, a 45-degree closed stance, kickback, which Eugene just demonstrated for you guys, and a hand turn. And so the parameters that I looked at with our lab was trunk rotational velocity, trunk power production, back hip power production, and the amount of force that guys are getting out of the ground, both their left foot and their right foot. Um, and overall, what we saw was really interesting. So to be expected with an open stance, we saw the highest rotational velocity in the trunk. So that makes sense because as your hips are open, your trunk has more room to move. It's much easier to move quickly and we studied all these just real quick. We looked at all of them from a constrained launch position. Everybody's front for so we eliminated all the timing moves, everything else. We went straight from here, straight from here, straight from here. Okay, go ahead. Exactly. Um, what was, I think, most interesting for us is looking at the kickback, and we saw the greatest power production coming out of the hips, um, an almost identical power production coming out of the trunk, and then the greatest force coming out of both legs with the kickback. Um, and so if I, if I can explain this a little bit, I think the reason why we're seeing so much, so if you add up total power in the swing, the kickback was far and away the best position for our guys. And these were guys that we tested all the way from elite level minor league players through 14-year-old guys who 
looked gangly and awkward and had never done a kickback before in their life. So looking at overall motor patterning, trained and untrained, familiar with this pattern and unfamiliar with this pattern. So if you look at to total power production, you're up in the 45,000s with a kickback. The next closest stance was open at 39,000. So huge difference, statistically significant for us. Um, and I think the reason for that is, the first time Eugene explained this move to me, the first thing he says, that's a reciprocal movement. As your upper body rotating one way, you're closing off the other direction with your hips, so you're balancing that rotation. If you were to quickly turn yourself and your feet were on something that moved, your lower body would turn the opposite direction. Um, and so what this does is it actually, while your trunk is not rotating as quickly as it does with an open stance, what it's doing is it's getting to its quickest point of rotation faster. So the acceleration speeds with a closed stance is much faster. Um, the speaker before us was talking about that timing of that stretch, that X faster. X factor. So with a kickback stance, you're actually getting to that X factor more quickly because you're rotating through hips and then stopping that rotation. So that power production is being transferred to your trunk more efficiently. And what that also does is um, we talk a lot about, do you want me to talk about the kinetic chain now? So in baseball and all sports, we talk a lot about a kinetic chain. So a kinetic chain, there's no such thing. There's no actual physical connection in the body from muscle group to muscle group. And yet we know that we, need, we use sequences of muscles together, right? So when guys talk about kinetic chains, the only actual physiologic connection between muscles is something called fascia. So basically in your body, there's three layers. the skin, fascia, and muscle. And there's certain chains and slings where those fibers that connect the tissue is oriented that actually connects muscles. So for your muscle groups, up to 30% of your muscle fibers insert not into the tendons, but into the connected tissue. So when mus one muscle contracts, it actually pulls on that connective tissue, which pulls on subsequent muscles, and there's a stretch reflex, so when your muscle is stretched, it then contracts. So there are actually sequences of muscles in your body that are connected via this connective tissue, but when you stretch that connective tissue and move in ways that is sequenced with those chains and slings, you do actually get greater force production out of those muscles. So there's a lateral line, an oblique line, and a spiral line that are all stretched and engaged with that kickback reciprocal motion position. And even in a much more simple fashion, your glute muscles, which are a huge power production for your pelvis, your hips, your lower body, the main uh, movements of those muscles is extension and external rotation. If I keep my back foot closed to the ground and swing, I'm getting external rotation. I'm getting, not getting much extension. If I kick back, I'm getting external rotation and extension in my glutes. So you're just using that muscle to a more efficient degree. Um, so this is, in my opinion, the kickback is a way to actually use your physiologic kinetic chain most efficiently in the rotational capacity, the reactive rotational capacity that your body was meant to use Now, what's really, really interesting, if we interpret that stuff for all of us here, each one of these, there's at least one player that scored highest in the other categories. So does that mean that the kickback is right for every single player? Absolutely not. But guess who scored through the roof, not even close? She thought they were outliers. Like there was something wrong. The dudes, I could pick them out by name. The most athletic and amazing players that we tested. The strongest, the most physical, right? They create that stretch reflex faster than all those other guys. So. It was really amazing to look into all this stuff. And, and this is why the importance of understanding profiling comes in. That's been a game changer for us as a facility, right? Understanding how individual players are put together, their mobility levels, their length of levers, their strength levels, and then guiding their direction for their swings. 
based on guys who have had similar success in the past and had similar body types and styles. Is it always absolutely perfect? No, nothing is. You have to dig and search and look. So I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit today about our evaluation process and how it works, right? How our facility works a little bit. So when we get players, the first thing we do is an evaluation. We want to get to know the parents and the players. We have literally not let people in before because of the parents, because of the player. We didn't want them in our culture, right? Um, we have a very bad business model for making money, but it's a really good business model for making players better. We provide memberships for them, right? So they take up a lot of our time. They're there two to three days a week, sometimes four, sometimes five. We slot them two to three, uh, but then they use the rest for open membership. So these guys come in all the time. We, if we're going to bring somebody in, we want to make sure they're going to fit in with our culture. We don't look for guys that play baseball. It's not even talent level. We look for baseball players, grinders, guys that really desperately want to play at the next level. So the next part of what we evaluate after we sit down and discuss it with them is we evaluate their pregame. I feel like baseball players in general are like the worst prepared athletes to like step on the field. Right? They have no idea how to do movement prep or what they individually need based on you know, whether they have uh, hypermobility or they're tight in very specific areas. So we're evaluating their pregame. After that, we do the throwing analysis. Right? So we're collecting velocities, spin rates. We're looking at movement patterns. We sit down. Uh, we discuss you know, kind of our belief system and philosophy on how the body moves through the throw. And then we evaluate their individual stuff. And then we finalize it with the hitting. Okay, so the hitting portion is pretty much the same thing. We're analyzing their movement um, and then sitting down and kind of going over it with them. So after we evaluate them, if we are going to bring a player into the program, we do a physical assessment. So we use our strength team, right? And they're looking for uh, mobility levels. Both of those guys uh, interned over at Cressy. And there's a whole bunch of different parameters that I won't get into, but that, that they're looking at uh, so we can build their programs. Right? So if we're going to take it, we don't do it unless we're actually going to take them in. But if we do, uh, then we follow it up with that. So what this has created and what you uh, heard, I forget who it was. Uh, was it Deggs? Deggs, he talked about clarity, the importance of clarity with his players. Right? One of the things that I've never understood, and it's the most frustrating thing for players. Okay? Um, at the high school level, at the college level, at a facility level, kid walks in for the first day. Right? He signs up or he's on the team and you're trying to change everything he does. Right? We try to change everything he does. We don't know anything about him. We don't know what's important to him. We haven't asked him. We haven't asked him what he's had success with in the past, what he's failed with in the past. It takes five minutes. Right? We haven't sat down and gotten clarity with the player. What if he's been overhauling his swing for the last six months and his exit velocities went up 14 miles an hour and he's a better hitter than he's ever been? and you watch him in the cage one time and try to tell him to change everything. Why? Why do we have to do that? We don't have to do that. It takes two minutes. Ask him what's important to him. Sit down and build clarity. This process gives us clarity with our players. So after we do the physical, the swing analysis, the data analysis, if we're working with pro players, we, do, we get kind of heavy into the data stuff. Uh, we ask them to give us all the information that they possibly have, and then we go digging too, looking at uh, heat maps, um, looking at all different video we can find. And interestingly enough, and this is why we have to be so careful as coaches, we have three players in our program that we've picked up in the last six months. One was a 12U Team USA guy hitting the five hole. The other one was a 14U USA guy that was only 13 years old, right? 
starter on the team. The other one is a sophomore that is probably going to be a top two round draft pick. Hosed Royce Lewis last year from his knees twice. Hits balls 105, 110. It's unbelievable. 98 from the outfield. 92 off the mound. He's 15. Okay. After we did their evaluations in the shop, after we did their evaluations in the shop, um, we got game swings from them. It was nothing alike. It was nothing alike. Right? Their, their shop evaluation swings were internally rotated, backside, forced, push. Right? When we looked at their swings in the game, all three guys, all three guys either held on really well or kicked back. We saw both in all the hitters. And on some of their bad game swings, they let those bad patterns leak over into their game swings. So we have to be very careful. In fact, one of the kids, the youngest one, uh, while we were sitting talking to his dad, his dad said, we try to get a training history on him. His dad says, you know, he used to have this really bad habit that we had to get rid of. His back foot would kick back behind him and he would lose all his balance. I asked his dad, I said, try to think back. Do you think he was, when did that start? He says a year ago. I said, do you think he was a better hitter before or now? He says, well, now that you mention it, he was probably better before. Be careful what you're changing. Be careful. Look. A lot of times as coaches, we spend more time trying to teach them our idea of the swing as opposed to figuring out what they individually need. Very, very important. Bernstein's principle. You heard it all over the place. Human body will organize itself based on the activity that it's given. I love the principle, but we also have to pay attention to the degrees of freedom problem. It says problem right below it. There are multiple ways for humans and animals to perform a movement in order to achieve the same goal. Right? Again, going back to the patterns, multiple ways to achieve the same goal. Right? So you have to understand what each individual player needs because we're not always going to self-organize in the most ideal way possible. So self-organization versus altering a hardwired CNS pattern. Your central nervous system is controlling your movement patterns, okay? There's no such thing as muscle memory. It's happening from your brain. It starts in your brain. If you do have a CNS pattern that is very hardwired, like say you have a college guy or pro guy been doing the same thing for a really long time, you have to have a framework and a process for being able to alter that movement. As coaches, we have tons of trouble with transferability, right? We all struggle with that. I struggle with that sometimes too. Everybody does. Everybody does. Trying to get guys to do things differently in the game. Well, that's because we try to take them from uh, level one to level 10 too fast. So this, is a, so this is some of the drill work I wanted to, we'll try to cut this short a little bit, go to the middle of the video. So how we do that stuff is by isolating patterns. Um, we try to get guys, actually scroll back so they can see that. Yeah, so this is a forward and back chain. So he is doing this, this is not in slow motion. That's backwards and forwards, back chaining, forward changing, uh, chaining, slow motion. Trying to understand how his body moves, how it's put together. How we go about building new swings is by isolating patterns. The same thing that you saw Rick doing with this, that's getting a guy to try to understand his movement, increasing his kinesthetic and spatial awareness skill, getting his brain to understand how he wants it to move and opening up new neural pathways, exposing him to other ways to move through the movement. And by isolating those patterns and then focusing on them individually, right, then you build them back up, right? And these are some of the drills. I wanted to show more of them. Mimics are awesome. Dean is amazing at them. 
allow your guys to explore having fun too. That's a really important part of this. Hitting in a cage should also be fun. When they have time to try to be big leaguers and try to mess around with it, you're also opening up new pathways. This one's the best. This one's my favorite right here. Okay. So this is the framework for how we look at transferability. I didn't want to focus my time today on giving you necessarily a whole bunch of drills, but I wanted, what I wanted to give you is a framework for how we look at it. So step one, PVC work, prep work, field work, all the stuff you saw Rick doing, all the stuff you're going to hear Ryan doing, right? Prep work, field work, feeling different moves, blending those together into regular swings, and then going to T, toss, BP, live controlled is huge if you have the ability to do it, and then game swings. You build the patterns, and then you transfer them, and you blend them together, and then you challenge them. And if it's too hard, you dial back, right? And then you build it back up and you just go back and forth. That's how they figure it out. There's no indeterminate amount of time, but this is a framework for figuring it out. Variability adjustability work, okay? So this is a really tough drill. There's two T's, right? Um, you have the player throwing and if he throws it, you swing. And if he doesn't throw it, he's gonna call out one, two, or A, B. It's very, very hard, adding decision-making capability into hitting. A lot of times as hitters, and as coaches too, we don't have to be swing technicians to make guys better. Make hitting in the cage more like hitting in the game. Make hitting in the cage more like hitting in the game. Make it difficult, right? You'll notice here while he's doing these, um, it's the same thing. It's BP, and then there's a ball low and away. Uh, the adjustability that they have to find after busting them hard in, and then they have to find an, the, a way to go get the ball down and away is huge. So these are good variability adjustability drills. Short bats are amazing. They pull everything tight really, really fast. Okay, so this you have to see. Okay, this is a really bad swing. This is an overcoach swing. This is a Southern California kid that's had thousands of hours of lessons with an overcoach bad swing. He's also 6'3", athletic, strong, right? I'm about to show you the most eyewash drill that you've ever seen. But is it really eyewash? We were in the cage one day and we were just screwing around and I asked the guys in the cage, come up with something hard, something hard and something fun, figure it out. Guy takes a barrel, the barrel of his bat, holds it in his hand, flips it up while the guy's tossing to the ball and then swings. That's what he does. It created an amazing thing, okay? So this kid, this is his first day. Watch this. After the evaluation when he came in, that's his first day at the shop. That lad, those swings are his first day at the shop. We didn't, even, we didn't even do the patterning work. We just got him out of his own mind, forcing him to be athletic and figure things out, producing better swings. But you can only try, if you don't try it, you're never gonna know. Okay, Jake Marisnik, last year, big league player, walks into our facility. Okay, we had the opportunity, we were blessed with the opportunity to work with him. This is his evaluation swing, but it actually looked like that in the game. You got a premier athlete, 6'4", 225. He's an ogre. He also runs a 6'3". He is an amazing athlete. Bad swing. Didn't understand how to swing. Okay, been patterned into him his whole life. Pushy, steep, pretty bad position, right? Body's already open, zero posture, no adjustability. So this is kind of walking you through some of the process that we took with him. We followed that framework, we built a plan, we challenged the pattern, we brought the pattern back, dialed it up, dialed it back, focused on isolating different moves, 
got him to feel things differently than he ever was before, got him in touch with what a good swing actually was, what it meant to get on plane. Working on some kickback feels there, some back chaining stuff. He had an amazing season. He went from having in four years like 1,300 career at bats and like 17 home runs to having 16 and 200 at bats. This is his slugging chart. That is last year. That was this year. Swing patterns, altering a pattern, getting guys to understand. That's at the highest level of the game. Unbelievable change. This is another big leaguer we had this year. First offseason with us. Another big leaguer we had this year. Totally different swing. Didn't change anything. What we did was teach him what he did. We got him to do stuff in the cage that he actually did in the game. We taught him how his body moved. We got him to feel things differently. We opened up his mind to different patterns. When he came back this offseason, what he said was that this year, more than any other year, and he never believed in hitting coaches, this year, more than any other year, what was different was his ability to adjust and get out of things when he felt off. Because he spent all offseason learning how his body moved. He spent time understanding how his body moved through the zone, the isolated patterns that he has in his swing, right? And by feeling those things, it gave him process. It gave him process. So the real takeaway, that was Austin Barnes, by the way. It's pretty amazing this year. Um, our first opportunity with two big leaguers, and we had that kind of success with both guys. But we just spent a lot of time on trying to figure out what they need, and it was totally different. It was totally different. If there's anything that I could offer as a takeaway, um, since we didn't even get into a lot of the drill stuff, uh, the, the biggest, and Parker's going to do a, an amazing job at that in a minute. Um, the biggest takeaway is that two guys, two totally different swings, two totally different approaches, great results. They're different, different body types, different sizes, different athletes, right? The secret sauce in anything is just a ridiculous amount of hard work, just a ridiculous amount of hard work. We worked really hard for those guys. I spent hours and hours and stayed up all night, all night for a long time, trying to figure out what they needed and what we needed to do to make them better. So hopefully uh, today I gave you some things to put in your toolbox. I know this weekend uh, I got tons of stuff to put in mine. I can't wait to go back. Uh, just even hitting with Ryan the other day at Vanderbilt with a couple of guys. I got new stuff to bring back. I got new stuff from Rick just sitting here listening to him. I got new stuff all weekend. Right? Because I'm trying to learn. We're all trying to get better. That's why you guys are all here. Right? We're all trying to get better. But to do that, we have to really open up our minds and learn how to explore things a little bit differently. Not thinking that we know everything or spend our time trying to force guys to do this one way, but expand a little bit and realize there's different ways to do different things. So thank you guys so much for your time. Thank you so much, Lance. Amazing event. Man, that's awesome to get all that data. This call is brought to you by Silverback Sports. Silverback Sports is the alpha when it comes to arm care and training essentials. Silverback's training products are constructed from premium materials and are designed to be durable and dependable to withstand the toughest and most rigorous throwing or training programs. Visit shopsilverback.com to see their entire line of high-quality products at very affordable prices. Also, follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to stay up to date 
at shop silverback. That's at shop silverback. Yeah. Joy, what was your biggest call takeaway from the presentation? Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously being in house, there's, you know, a lot of this, this information, um, that I knew, but also, uh, the greatest things that I, I loved about this presentation is when, you know, obviously having Emily up there and having her break down uh, from a biomechanics standpoint and also present all the data and, and her displaying, um, you know, and the understanding of why it creates uh, so much force is just awesome uh, to have that breakdown. And I think that it's, you know, pushes the game forward and kind of makes us think in a different way. How about you, Bo? Yeah, I agree. And, you know, looking at from the broader scope, anyone who knows Eugene understands his passion and the high level thinking. And when it comes to player development, 108 continually is raising that standard. So I think it's great that our listeners have this resource to refer to and to continue to push themselves, but most importantly, gain a thorough understanding of the movement so they can better develop their players. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, guys, you know, again, this is a great op- uh, episode to share. I know there's a lot of people that reach out to us uh, over at 108 and also to just me personally um, about some of our kickback data. And this is, you know, our presentation where we kind of break all that stuff down. So this is a great one to share um, for all the people that have their questions and all the ones that, you know, coaches that um, you might be trying to explain some of those things to maybe hearing it from a different voice. Um, it's awesome to, to have this resource. And as you know, as we continue, as you guys saw that we did re- release some new uh, merchandise that we want you guys, again, to look like you're part of the team. You guys have been a part of us the whole way. We really appreciate you guys tuning in and sharing us, and we want you guys uh, to look as what you already are, which is part of, a part of us. So um, definitely check out our website, thesystem.farm. Um, check out our, our products available that we have on there as well. And until next time, from us and our partners over at Yakertech, Farm System out.